This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. All right, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Today was an excellent episode. I had the fortunate time to sit down with my friend Luca Hosovar um, out of Renton here, local guy to me here in Washington. Um, he owns Vigor Ground Strength and Performance here in uh, Renton in uh, Washington. And uh, we went into program design. I actually had Luca on here previous, and we talked a little bit about business coaching and you know, running a successful business and really his, his kind of his story and his life into this, you know, this coaching game that we play. And, um, you know, I reached out to him a few weeks ago and I said, Hey man, like, I'd love to get you on the show and we can talk about program design and sort of some of the different things that you do inside of that, uh, realm of coaching. And he's like, absolutely. So we jumped on the show today. I asked him, uh, one question because Luca's a talker, man. He likes to, he likes to really deliver value to people. And, uh, and I can really appreciate that about him. Uh, so I asked them, you know, what do you believe to be good program design inside of a group fitness facility? And then that led to this hour and a half conversation that you guys are going to listen to. We went into program design. We talked a lot about that. <clears throat> we talked a lot about uh, coaching and some of the, the the soft skills that go along with it that a lot of people miss. And really, we, we talked about how he runs Vigor Ground and Performance in, in, in the shape of the different programs that he offers and the programming associated with those. So uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. But as always, before we jump to the show, first and foremost, I need your help. I need you guys to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and then go ahead and tag both, both Luca and I in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith on Instagram, and he is at Luca Hosevar on Instagram as well. So we always ask you guys to do that because, you know, we get on these shows and we, we talk and have conversations and we allow people to kind of partake in that and, and uh, allow people to really grow. So it's important that we know who we're reaching and, and who is getting value from this show. So as always, take that screenshot, tag us both in it. And then without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get Luca on here. Um, enjoy the conversation and I'll talk to you on the next episode. All right, what's up, you guys? Hey, welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. Today is an absolute treat. I am joined by none other than the Luca Hosovar today. Uh, I've been following Luca and been around him a handful of times, and every time I'm around him, number one, there's always knowledge bombs dropped. Uh, I always feel like I learned something and, and I walk away a better person. Uh, actually, first time I, I met him in, was in person, actually, was at uh, Craig Ballantyne's Perfect Life Retreat. Gosh, it was probably two years ago now, and uh, somehow, Luca, I ended up at your table. I don't know how I ended up there. They're like, because, uh, you know, he puts on those cards, just supposed to go talk to people and stuff like that, and um, I was like, Luca, I was like, he's from Washington. He's a gym owner, too. Let me see, see what he has to say, and I think we spent the entire two hours, both my manager and I sitting there with you, uh, and ever since then, I've just kind of followed everything you've done, listened to the podcast, the whole thing. Uh, this is Luca's second time on here. Uh, first time we had him on here, we talked a lot about business. We went into that whole thing, and uh, today we're going to go into a little bit of program design, but before we get into it, Luca, share with us, you know, um, for the, the 2% of people who are following this podcast that don't know who you are, um, you know, who's Luca, Luca Hosovar, what does he do? Oh, what a loaded question. You know what, now, <laughs> because, I, because I've been doing so much work on story brand marketing, yeah. um, I'm going to give you a, a, a tagline sure. for two things. Like our tagline for Vicky Brown is we help people change their bodies so they can change the stories to their life. So that's one thing that I do right? is I, I help people change their bodies. And I would say mind so that they can kind of 
alter the story because we all live in a, a narrative world, right? Sure. We, we, stories on, on the business side of stuff. Um, I, what that what we do is we help gym owners and coaches change their businesses so they can do the same thing, which is change the stories to sure. their life. So I mean, that's really the two things that I do. I'm 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 just a absolute obsessive geek when it comes to uh, you know I would say it started with training and nutrition and everything physical and, and mental performance and really kind of grew into this like personal development right how do you just grow in life become a better human uh, you know it's not like obviously you could be super fit and have a shitty life you could be super fit and being happy and be broke and you know a lot of the stuff and have crappy relationships so I, you know as, as you develop as a human you kind of do all these different things that you know the gym has become a, a lot more of that where it started being like hey transformation sports performance right and then you start realizing that like you can help people change their life in a lot of different aspects um and we kind of do four you know our, our four big puzzle pieces to keep it simple also when we do orientations and stuff like that is like hey there's training there's nutrition there's mindset there's recovery and of course you can go down a rabbit hole of all of those and we, we could touch on that too sure. um and so you know th that's and and as i built the business you know the, the kind of the business coaching everything else evolved from that and I, I realized i just really loved coaching you know and, and, and like this kind of definition what is coaching you know, a coach comes back from it was like a stage coach right the coach got you from one place to another place right so coaching is helping somebody get from where they are to where they want to go but they can't quite get them themselves like that's the definition of coaching mm -hmm. so you know when i went into business coaching it really happened from a standpoint um i started business coaching like about let's say nine years ago um when people started reaching out to me and say hey listen how do you do this how do you and at first and it was local it was like local coaches um and i was just like oh yeah i don't really do that even though i like i was doing well but i didn't know how how well i was doing until i entered a mastermind and you know and i was like oh man like all these guys look up to in the mastermind you know and i had a little garage and we'd sit there and they were like you are doing what you're profiting what you know uh and it made me go like Oh shit, maybe I got something here, you know? Um, and it took a while for me to kind of have that self-esteem and go like, Hey, I'm going to take on five people, you know, and, and I'm gonna help you the best that I can to help you grow your business. And, and all those five people like really excelled and, you know, a couple of them opened their own gyms, did really good. Everybody doubled, tripled, quadrupled, you know, their, their, um, their revenue and so on and so forth. And I enjoyed doing it. That's the other thing too. I enjoyed doing it. I think that was a really big part to it. And I got like this, same form of fulfillment of just coaching and helping somebody get from where they are to where they want to go. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't ever like, I'm going to become a business coach for fitness. You know, it's like, it's right. this natural again, kind of th thing to happen. And, um, you know, and I, I, to this day, I still enjoy it. So really everything is in, in this fitness space at heart. I'm a coach at heart. I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm, uh, I mean, you know, like the reason you see me to all this shit, cause I've, I just go to everything. I still, still probably go to too much stuff. I'm always, you know, if, if I flip this screen around a little bit, it's just books everywhere, like manuals, courses, you, you name it. Right. Like I just want to continue to get better uh, and better because it's fulfilling in its own way. Like, I mean, learning for me is fulfilling in its own way. Like, is it, even if there's no, like reading books, right. Uh, I mean, I read books cause I'm curious and I want to get knowledge from them, but at the same time, like, I get joy from doing the thing, um, which to be honest with you is, you know, my touch on that is like, I feel like that's a part of uh, the secret to success in life. And, and it's like really buy into the process, you know, love the process. As Kobe said, man, the dream is the work, you know, 
Um, and once I figured that out, like viscerally, once I viscerally figured out that that's one of the keys, I, I kind of lost the anxiety of like trying to know it all because I know I'll never know it all, you know. But um, that's in, in, in a nutshell, keeping it just semi short. Uh, who goes over is. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully it explains it at least a little bit. For sure. And something I can always appreciate is that, you know, I think a lot of times people, they get so caught up on like, you know, um, thinking they get to this place where they really know everything. Right. And, and, and what I can appreciate about a lot of the, the most successful people and really like most successful coaches that I'm in is like, there's this always this element you said all the time, you always talk about staying dumb. So like, for me, that's something I tell my team as well is like, you know, as a, for a coach, like the, the journey never stops. You got to keep growing. You got to keep growing. And uh, if you guys don't follow Luca, make sure you do, because there's at least shit, man, like 10 new books per week. I see you put up and it's always something. And it's funny because in my phone, there's always these screenshots. Cause I see this book and I'm like, Oh yeah. And I take this screenshot and I go pick it up. And uh, it's always pretty funny, but I can, I can appreciate that about you is that your consistent chase of, uh, your consistent chase of knowledge really doesn't end. It's like ongoing for you all the time. I mean, if you, the thing is, there, there is, it, it's a dichotomy, right? Because when you learn more, you think like, man, when you learn more, you're gonna understand, you're gonna be like, yeah, I really know shit. No, nope. it gets worse. No, nope. you learn more. When you learn more, you understand how you don't know anything. I know. <laughs> like you, don't, you don't know anything. Yeah. Um, and but it becomes like. I, I was in this spot though, you know, it was a weird spot because I had, you know, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very driven guy. And also I come from a background like my, you know, I mean, first of all, I grew up in socialism, communism. So there, there's that and then going into sports and it had a, you know, I would say my, my childhood was, was kind of wacky as well, but I was very driven competitively. So I started making learning competitive for a while, which is not a great thing necessarily. Right. Cause it was like, I'm going to learn it all. You know, I had a, an anxiety around it. Right. Um, like this anxiety around learning and stuff. Right. And it, until I didn't go like, hold up, there's no way to learn all this. Like there isn't any way to learn everything. Let me just enjoy the process. Right. And just get curious and just stay curious and be like, almost like this childlike property of um, a curiosity. You know what I mean? And I think that's the key. And now I'm there where I, I know I won't know anything in the grand scheme of things, but I've, you know, I've learned more now and I know more than I, you know, I would say some people have, uh, I forgot more than some people know, but that it, it doesn't matter. Like I do it for my own. Uh, if I can get better, I can help our clients better. Um, in, in every business and every realm, uh, it fulfills me personally, just the process fulfills me. And like, you know, I mean, I do think there's an ethical component to us as coaches is if you're not learning, if you tell me, I want to be the best coach for my clients and you're not constantly learning like, man, there's a problem there. You know what I mean? You're, those two don't align. How are you telling me that you want to be the best coach for your clients, but you know, you haven't read a book in a month or a year, or you haven't attended a course or you don't, you know, you don't belong to a coaching group or you, you don't go uh, have a network where you're, you're, you're learning and studying and stuff like that. That's th th those values don't align. I actually have a belief that, you know, as a coach, number one, just like you said, there's like this ethical component. Like you have a responsibility to uh, to continue to grow yourself because number one, you're the product, right? And then if you got a team, your team your team needs to learn from you, and they need to be able to plug into something, but they can't plug into an empty vessel. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, so that being said, um, 
So, I, I guys, I really wanted to get Luke on here because, for selfish reasons, I wanted to pick his mind about program design. Um, I think, he, you know, you, you post all these great videos and stuff like that, and um, I, I think that those, those principles and the ways that you run group training or, or team training, as you guys call it, and these different components, I think that's important because there are a lot of group fitness facilities out there that don't do it well and could, you know, improve on things, right? So, um, Luca, the, the first question I really wanted to ask you is, you know, with team training or really any group component, there becomes this like issue of, you know, who are you tailing the program to, right? When you're trying to tailor it to everybody, you're telling it to nobody. Uh, but I have this belief that, you know, best case scenario, 80 to 90% of the people in that room need around about the same, uh, the same type of training or the same, you know, different things worked on and stuff like that. Uh, and I feel like it can do well, but I'm curious what you think, you know, either principally speaking or just best practice, when you look at, you know, what people are doing for group training and what people are doing for team training, what types of things are inside of that, like recipe for that, that group or that team? Ooh, there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack here. Sure, my friend. sure, sure. Let's, let's, let's unpack it. Okay. Why not? Let's unpack let's it. Do it. All right. So in general, like, look, let's look at big principles here. So majority of people that come to us, I'm sure that come to see you, mm -hmm is you know general transformation which i would say look better feel better move better yep uh move better could also be perform better but look perform better is like um you know i mean like there's people downstairs right now that you know uh one of our clients susan who's i think 74 um like for her is like energy being able to move better not be in pain pick up her grandkids right mm -hmm. like do activities with her grandkids that's her perform um, there is another guy downstairs, Jay, and his uh, pretty high level amateur volleyball player, right? That's his side hustle and stuff, right? So besides wanting to look good, feel good, be confident in his own body, uh, man, performance at, with volleyball is big, right? Mm -hmm. So it, now in general, so if, if we can go a, 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 along this kind of line of people that come in. And look, let me first say, let's pretend, you know, um, some of those people do obviously like semi-private personal training, which is more customized program to, towards that person. But let's say they're just in our team training. So team training is what used to be large group. Obviously now we have to limit it, mm -hmm. but that's mostly based around metabolic resistance uh, training, right? MRT, metabolic conditioning. And then we have small groups. Small groups are based around strength and performance, right? Now, so let's zoom out and like take those two different people and go, what, what would I recommend for most people that come in here? And I would say most people generally, right? In, in, in America, if they did two strength sessions and two conditioning sessions a week, they'd be in a great place. Call Love it two and two, plus, two and two for life, right? Um, or I'd say three, you know, if, if I can optimize that a little bit, I'd say three, three strength, two conditioning, right? Um, which, which then gives you, you know, let's say your strength sessions are hour long or MRTs are like 45 minutes, right? Hey, can you dedicate four and a half hours to your fitness per week when it comes to, you know, the training part? Most people will be like, well, that's not a crazy amount of time, um, right? Then, of course, like, man, that's a really good return on investment. So that was the philosophy in, in, in like, we were, and I, I, can't, I can't say this for a fact. I don't want to be that guy, by the way. Right. But I, I do feel like, you know, um, we're the first people doing semi-private training in this state, uh, at least to a level of, like, where we had a whole system and, you know, up to four people, customized programs. Uh, but I definitely know that we're at first that we're doing small group personal training in a, sen in a sense of strength training. Like we started doing that over a decade ago, right? Um, meaning like eight to 14 people, templated program that could, that could basically be a, a, adjusted to a lot of folks, right? 
Now, the reason I, I say all these things is because we've been doing it for a long time. And I've, I've, you know, I've had a lot of theory. And then I learned by doing and realized some of that theory is like out the window. Um, <laughs> Which is pretty much in every people. case, right? You're like, you got this great idea and you got these great plans and you, you, you roll oh, it out and you're like, oh man, it didn't go like I expected it to. <laughs> people that I, I mean, still look up to, but it was, it, 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 it's, it's like uh, peers and they would be like, wow, you can't do, you know, like, uh, this is what you got to do. I said, oh, cool, cool, cool. So if you had an hour and you got other stuff going on in the gym and you got this much space and you got this equipment, you would do that. Like, well, well, no. I'm like, yeah, but that's the reality of it. That's the reality for most gym owners, right? There's, there's a reality for most gym owners. You have a certain amount of space. You got a certain amount of time, right? Yep. There's certain, a goal that you want to achieve and you have to reverse engineer it. And like, what do you do in this scenario? And what I, what I started doing, first I, I felt, you know, oh man, like I could do this better. Then I started giving people scenarios and I realized that they couldn't solve the scenario because they had this optimal, you know, breakdown of what, you know, what makes sense. But the thing is, it was only optimal in an optimal situation, which is pretty much like 95% of the time for most people that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? So for, for me doing this like small group personal training that was focused around, you know, strength and performance and our metabolic conditioning, we created a model that, I, I feel as, you know, honestly, I mean, it's very, very, very good. Like it just sure. works. I mean, I, I, it, you know, and I continue to keep trying to evolve it and I can dive into a little bit of what it looks like as far as like, uh, you know, on, when, when we look at, okay, let's, let's look at the small group personal training when it comes to uh, like how we break stuff down. Okay. So it's uh, essentially it's like, we follow R7 a lot. Like our, I love, so Mike Robertson's R7, I'm, I'm, I'm if, have you, have you heard of uh, Mike Robinson? Yeah, I actually, I actually modeled some of the stuff that we do at the gym. Like we have like a react resist, uh, resilience portion in our training. Uh, I didn't get into like his old, the, the reset and all the different, I think there's a, there's seven yeah. of them, right? There's a couple more. Well, I didn't use release, all of them. Was, yeah. Yeah. And so, so think about it this way. Um, so I think the R R seven is so great because it's so malleable, meaning like, Hey, do you want to do, it doesn't matter what you want to do. You want to conjugate, you want to do linear, you want to do this one, like there's, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Right. And I think of training, uh, even through, through R7, if you got these, so, you know, let's go over it. R1's release. So we're talking about soft tissue work. Now there's a ton of ways that you can do soft tissue work. Sure. And I've, um, gone, I, I still do stuff with it. I've changed my mind about a lot of stuff. I mean, we do things like body tempering, we do all types of things. Um, but really, you know, R2 is a reset. Now reset can be, uh, just for anybody that's listening, like reset can, it's two different ways. Right. One is resetting the autonomic nervous system, meaning how do we get somebody from, you know, that's coming in, usually work, stressed out, this, that, the other. How do we get them from balancing? You know, they're super sympathetic. You know, how do we get them a little more balanced out? That doesn't mean we're going to get them into parasympathetic. It's just like if we're here, we're going to level it out. So a lot of times that's, you know, breathing obviously is the, the fastest, best way to do that. Right. So we're going to do some type of breathing reset. doesn't take a lot of time, gives you a good amount of return investment. The other part of re- the reset is going to be, you know, how do we get joints reset? Now, you might be like, well, shit, there's a lot of ways to do that. You can, obviously, if you manipulate soft tissue, some things can let go and align. But then there's all these other modalities, like, you know, that we probably don't have the time to dive too deep in. But like PRI, you know, P- uh, Posture Restoration Institute has a bunch of uh, different methods and things where 
you know, uh, it's hard. Like, this is the thing about podcasts, right? If, if, if yeah, I was yeah. a video on the floor, I'd just show the drill. Um, but regardless, like, imagine that there's a couple of drills, whether it's like bare breathing or it's like we're, we're uh, sliding the hips up and doing breathing resets and stuff like that. But really, the whole point of the reset is how do we reset the autonomic nervous system a little bit, right? So get people from like super high strung to more leveled out before we get them into warmups. And two is how do we get joints into joints into better positions, right? Because I don't give a shit which lift you're doing. If your joints are out of position, like you got a forward neck posture, your rib cage is flaring. I could cue the crap out of you, but it's going to be a problem, mm-hmm. right? If you stack the joints, the right muscles start working. If you stack the joints, you're safer, right? So that's what the reset does. And it doesn't take like, it's not like this. You do 17 drills and blow balloons on the floor all day long, right? It's like, Soft, like we teach our people to come in and do soft tissue work by themselves. It's not part of the organized coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, come in 10 minutes early. We show we have hypervolts, right gun, rice guns. We have lacrosse balls. I mean, we have kabuki, you know, pain pills and and and, and ex-wives and tempering tools. And like, I mean, you name it, right? Like, it's, there's so much tools that we have, and then we kind of show and teach that in orientation. Here's five of the six areas that almost everybody's got to work on. Work on those. But here's, you know, if you got questions, ask us. Here's also some videos on how you can work on other soft tissue modalities. Come in 10 minutes early, work on this. I promise you it's going to help you out, right? Then the dynamic warm-ups, including a reset, is what the coach will take you through, right? So let's say it's a small group. For example, let's take, I don't know, I'll just take my small group or whether it's, you know, if there's no strength camp, whatever it may be, right? It might be a super simple reset. And the reset might be, you know, feet up 90 degree breathing drill and uh, a X crawl, which is basically a crawl position, tap your shoulder reset, right? And then that's it. Like you, you only have so much time. Remember, we got about an hour, maybe an hour attempt for small group. That's it. So I got to fit all these things in there, right? So R1 release, R2 reset. R3 is readiness. Readiness is our dynamic warmup. What most people understand, like, okay, cool. Squat the stand, you know, or for instance, doing joint cars, you know, sh- scap cars, shoulder cars, uh, Spider-Man lunge with with reach, uh, squat to stand with walkout, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're preparing our body to train, uh, you know, jumping on a bike for five minutes ain't going to do it because what are there's three things that we want to do with a warm-up, right? We want to increase core temperature. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can do that with just riding a bike, sure. Number two, we want to get the joints prepared and the muscles prepared to go through movement patterns that we're going to later on do, you know, in strength training. Okay, so you can't do that with doing just, I mean, you know, you go from single joint to multi-joint. You go from slower to faster. You go from simple to complex, right? These are kind of like these basics. But we're going to take them from about, you know, our dynamic warm-ups usually last anywhere from 8 to 12 minutes. I'd say the average is about 10. But we're just going, like, right? So might be ankle dorsiflexion drill. Okay, cool. Shoulder cars, if we're going to do a full body workout. Some scap cars. Then we're going to do Spider-Man lunge, you know, greatest stretch in the world. Spider-Man lunge, thoracic opening. And we're going to do squat to stand. Then we might do some glute marching bridges, lateral band walk with a glute band. Now we might do some skips, hops, right, and start doing some karaoke's and stuff. Because the third part is, like, you want to get the CNS ramped up, right? So we want to get core temperature up. We want to get the joints prepared and the muscles prepared to go through specific motions. Number three, we want to take the CNS and get it revved up and ramped up. So now we went through R3. That's our readiness. R4 is reactive. Now, reactive is like this, right? Most people are like, well, shit, if I got somebody that wants to lose body fat and just change their body, why would we do jumps and speed and throws and stuff like that? There's a lot of reasons for it. 
number one, people feel really good when they can like fuck stuff up pretty much, throw stuff, be explosive, sure. things like that, sure. right? But but also, also like, look, you know, one out of three people over 50 years old that fall break their hip. That's wild, right? And that's because of lack of power and reactivity and not because of lack of strength. So if we help people essentially be more reactive, be more explosive, be more elastic, it also helps their life. Because I don't know, like, if, if you, you kind of know the process, when you break a hip, the rehab is long. Like, we're talking about, like, 8 to 12 months. They're very sedentary. The statistics are insane. If you break a hip, how much weight you put on. Uh, so there's just a whole slew of effects, which means, right, that if we're not explosive, reactive, and we can prevent things like falls, breaks, things like that, it's very good for our life. Mm-hmm. Also, it improves performance. Play with kids. You do this. You do that. It recruits a high threshold motor units. It's, you know, there's all these good things that you're getting return on investment on for not a lot of effort. So even for somebody that's like 50, uh, actually, you know, some of our fittest clients are 50. So let me, let me take that back. So now like right. 70. I'm about to say, you better watch that. There's a lot of real fit, like 50, 60 year olds no, no, out like, there. Honestly, yeah. like, some of our fittest clients are like in, in their 50s and just crushing 20 year olds, which sure. I love. Um, but, but I'm saying, cause people go like, well, what reactive work are you going to do with with somebody at 70, man, they can do foot fire. They can push the prowler fast. They can throw med balls, right? All types of throws and slams that they can do that's, that's responsive. They can do some agility ladder work, right? Eventually can do high knees and hops and skips and stuff like that, right? Maybe they're not gonna do box jumps. Maybe they will work up to it. But, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do that makes sense for them. So we put that R4 reactive in almost every small group strength program, period. Now, sometimes it shows up after dynamic warmups, we'll do some accelerations and we'll do some hops and bounces and jumps and throws. A lot of times to save time, we make it contrast sets, okay? So contrast sets is like when you do a strength exercise, for instance, for five or six reps, and then you contrast it with something explosive. So it might be like trap bar deadlift for five, and then we're gonna do a med ball scoop toss or a box jump or some or broad jump or something like that, right? Because there's something called uh, it calls PAP, P-A-P, post-activation potentiation. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when you lift a really, really heavy weight, it, it turns on a ton of high-threshold motor units. And because of that, guess what jumping is, right? A lot of high-threshold motor units. So you can actually jump faster or higher or more explosively post a heavy lift. So even some people will call it like, oh, but that's more advanced training. Well, if I want to get reactive, working i only have so much time and i superset it with a heavy lift that becomes more effective and efficient in my training session right so so that's how we add reactive and i think it's important number five is resistance okay that's our lifting that's where the big chunk of kind of like the training session is going to be right it's going to be our strength training um and we can kind of break down look there's here's the thing is there's so many ways to break down programs it's not even funny sure Um, sure you know, and, and, and we, we have fun with it and we create some novelty, but the structure is usually going to be for most of our sessions. It's like, well, there's going to be a strength, blo- like think primary strength exercise, right? You're going to, which usually I like to do primers for. So meaning let's say I'm going to keep using trap bar deadlifts because it's one of the best hinge lifts for, for most clients for sure. So we're going to do a primer for that lift. Now the primer for that might be, you know, some type of banded hamstring curl or, you know, glute bridge walkout to turn on the hamstrings or Swiss ball hamstring curl, right? Because people are sitting on their ass all day long and that stuff is turned down, turned off. So it might be tight and overactive 
But what we need to do is actually turn it on and put it in better positions. So we'll do that. Like we'll, we'll do primer drills before we do things like a trap or deadlift, right? So now imagine we're doing a, you know, a primer in our main strength exercise, right? The second part is going to be a supplement to that main strength exercise. So if I'm doing trap bar deadlift, what would be a good supplement that has a very similar pattern to the trap bar deadlift? Well, Bulgarian split squat. So, right, so a supplement lift might be a dumbbell Bulgarian split squat. Now, we're, let's, let's pretend that we're having a lower body there right now, just for, sure, for, sure. for the purpose of examples, right? So we got a Bulgarian split squat. Then you got a couple options. You can do a secondary, so a secondary supplement exercise for strength or hypertrophy. Um, usually... We won't really plug that in that way. Like I said, we're, we're limited on time, the population that we have. We don't want to do, we want to work them hard, but we don't want to do crazy amounts of volume. You want them to be able to walk the next day. What did you say? You want them to be able to walk the next yeah. day. <laughs> Correct. Partially, sure. right? Sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, but from there, you know, we're going to do an assistance exercise. An assistance exercise is usually going to work on a weak link. For most people, the weak link is going to be posterior chain, hamstrings, glutes, right? So on this day, that might be some type of uh, hip thrust. So let's call it, you know, barbell hip thrust on this one, right? Now the rep range is, look, usually, you know, we're going to go, I, I consider strength work for general population three to six. Mm -hmm. You know, does it mean that we ever, never go Yeah, Do we do ones? Yeah, we test ones sometimes. Rarely though. Most of the time we're spending in that three to six range. Do you try to teach like uh, reps in reserve or RPE on any of that strength stuff? I've seen a lot of gyms that have tried to roll that out. I know that we, uh, we tried the reps in reserve thing and it was kind of hard for people in a, in a group setting to kind of conceptualize it. So usually we're like, Hey, you know, you should, you know, you should feel like you have like a rep or two left and uh, just kind of lackluster results. We kind of leave it up to people to make their own choices based off of like whatever Absolutely. tempo we put. And that's actually a great question, man, because, um, it's so, man, this wasn't, it's so intuitive. So like, I'll give you a, a real example. Okay. I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you a real example of sure. like my actually yesterday's, which was Thursday's small group. Okay. Uh, and our first block, and I call it a block because I started timing everything. Okay. Because here, here's the thing. If I have, for instance, 70 minutes, I reverse engineer the session. Okay. Our first, you know, 12 minutes is going to be dynamic warm up system sort then I'm going to break down the session. That's going to take me about four minutes. Even if they know it, I'm still going to explain. I'm still going to coach. Sure. Here's, if you, can, if you can't do this, here's the regression. Uh, you know, here's the lateralization. If you have an injury, here's, right? Like, I'm going to still break the session down. I'm going to give a story. I'm going to create intent, do all those different things. And then usually our first block, if we're doing a strength block, is going to be 14 minutes. Now, people are like, why 14 minutes? Because I know what time I have, the space I have, and I'm reverse engineering it. And I've worked through this to figure out what I want out of the block. So, uh, for, for example, we had, uh, so our, our current program in the strength block on Thursday is trap bar deadlift five reps. Then we contrast it with five squat jumps. And then we do a core trainer, uh, a, a push press, it's actually a push press. Right. So land, I think landmine core trainer mm -hmm. push press. Okay. Now the, the way that I explain it now, people already know how to do it now. Right. But you're not going to go straight to your, a very heavy five. We got 14 minutes. Right. So they're going to ramp up. So for instance, let's say that somebody that can usually get 225 for five, right? Well, they're going to start and do like 115 for four or five. And then we're going to go 155 for five. And then they're going to go 205 for, for a three, right? And then they're going to go 215. And that might be their first working set, 
right? Now, let's say that day, man, they got five hours of sleep. Kids were crazy. You know, they smoked from the week of work. And usually they'd get 255, I'm sorry, 225 for three sets of five, no problem, right? Maybe we'd even be able to push it and go 235 and get a new PR. But that day they do 215, they do it for a five. And like, man, the fifth one was already looking like slower. And you basically like, hey, they could have got a sixth one, but it might've been a shitty rep, right? To that client, I go like, hey, listen, uh, bump it up down to 205. Okay, 205 is looking good, could do another set of that. So in those 14 minutes, I'm basically going, you should do three to four max like hard sets of five, right? You keep ramping up to, to where you get to your best top set. But yes, your best, best top set should not be your legs are shaking, you know, MC Hammer style. Like you just grind it out like the last rep, like the biggest PR of your life. It should be challenging. You should feel like maybe you could do one more, right? But the form always has to be on point. Now, the thing is, what would be ideal? A beginner, man, we've had beginners that just like, you know, for 10 weeks straight, they're PRing, right? Because a lot of, some of it is just like neurological learning. The whole time they're like, this is the greatest gym ever. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to keep going on for years and yeah. I'm going to travel down a thousand pounds and be yeah. the first woman at 142. Olympics. To do that. Olympics and <laughs> Olympics in four months. Absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean? But so, but the thing is, is like, what's malleable about that, that there's a principle. I'm like, you're ramping up and like, I want you to get at least three hard sets. Now those hard sets are going to look different because here's the deal. We have clients that do semi-private training. So they might have a semi-private training session on Tuesday and it was really hard. Right. And then they come in on Thursday and, you know, maybe they did a, a hard squat on, on Tuesday, right. Some type of variation. And now they come in on Thursday and they're going to work up to rep of five, but here's, what's cool about this, right? Because we know who's doing what. So I'm going to, to them, I'm going to go like, Hey, listen, I want you to make it hard, but like legitimately, like you should feel like you got a bunch more reps left. Think patterns, right? So think mm -hmm. if, if Tuesday was high intensity, then Thursday will be medium intensity. Right. And, and that's why it's so mal like the, the system is very malleable, Yeah. but you know, uh, and I know now I'm kind of talking about other things that we do mm -hmm. we can kind of go into that and, and I, I can explain like, because I love examples. Like if I give you examples, it's real world. It's not some made up shit and some theory, or whatever. Sure, it paints um, a picture for people listening of like what that looks like in practice, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely right. So, so now you know. So we had that strength block. In that strength block, we included you know hip hip hinge movement, made it heavy, right? And the thing is, in the next block, it might be a set of three, it might be a set of six. Maybe we even do some rest pause and we do three sets of two in a cluster, right? There's a lot of ways. That, I mean, there's sure obviously programming modeling of, of, you know, uh, high neural output. There's a ton of different shit that you can do. And then of course, then we can change the trap bar to an elevated trap bar. We can change it to sumo. We can change it to off the floor. We can change the rack pull. Like if we're just talking hinge movements, right? We can add chains. We can add, I mean, shit like this. I, when you mix all those, we just did, you know, 60 different fucking weeks of, or let's say blocks sure. of program, right? So there's tons of stuff to do. Same thing. Instead of the squat jump, we can do a box jump. We can do a lunge jump. We can do a single like this hop, we can do a skater jump, we can do a scoop toss, we can do a throw, like blah, 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 right? You can see how there could be literally a list of exercises that make sense to fit that. You know, usually with a hinge, we want to do a pull, right? Because you don't want to do two grip dominant exercises. So if I do a trap bar deadlift, and then I do a pull up, not as two grip dominant exercises, your grip's going to go before you essentially uh, 
fatigue the muscles that you want to fatigue. Mm -hmm. So you want to be careful about stuff like that. You think, you know what people don't think about, man? Like this is like, I geek out about this shit. Like, like, like me and Faruja will fucking talk about this over coffee for four hours. We'll talk about hamstrings for four hours. That's how weird we are. But, <laughs> but it's like, uh, what somebody doesn't think about is stuff like this. If you do a back squat one day, right? Let's say you got a lower body day one day and then you got upper body day and you're doing a back squat on one day. And then the next day you do barbell bench press. That's not a good idea. Why not? Because I just put a whole lot of load on my shoulders. A lot of people won't have a good position of their shoulders. So actually it stresses the shit out of your shoulder. Day two, you go flat, like flat barbell bench press. That's going to stress the shit out of your shoulder, especially somebody that's been in a game for a while and has been lifting. That combo is not a good combo. Now I bring this up because sequencing of exercises and coupling of exercises and thinking about what you're doing day to day matters a ton. Like that's why we get people to like feel good and get like really good results, like and not get beat up over time. So I'm, I'm just bringing that to the forefront because program design and instruction it's, it's more than just like prolepin charts and you know like all this other shit like there's so much to it it's like art and a science right um, i always try to stick but, to the but, thought but, that like people people aren't studies right like we can read all this cool like science stuff right but there's an element of like uh you know what what's practical when it, when the rubber hits the road right like what a, you know these people are not uh living these perfect dieting unstressed lives right so they come to us and it's important that we we uh, number one, have experience, but number two, like put things in, in, in place that make sense in the grand scheme of like what we're trying to give them. Yeah. I mean, I would, man, I was, for, you know, for a long time, like I was really scratching my head because I was studying so much stuff, you know, high level stuff too. And like, and then I would, I was like, man, how are you supposed to put this into a 60 to 75 minute session? Like, you know, until, and then I started realizing a lot of people that were writing stuff actually weren't live like they weren't. They were writing stuff in labs or in, you know, theoretical kind of optimized environments, but not in the real world. And it took me a minute because I, because I was like wrapping my head around it, but like, man, I'll do all this if I can get it in. But I'm like, there's no way to do it. So how do we make it the best possible with what we have, you know? Um, and this is how these models got created. And 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 I'll kind of go back to you know uh, when I talked about like for instance, right? If you have a main strength, you have primary, you got a main strength exercise, you got a supplement exercise. Then you got an assistance exercise. Then you have a, for instance, metabolic stress exercise and maybe like a loaded stretch. So, and I'm going to put this into the format, by the way. You know, I'm going to put this into a format of, of our small group. Okay. So, we talked about we did the trap bar deadlift, squat jumps, and then we did um, a core trainer press. Also for like a, a sets of six push press, sets of six. Okay. So like it's all kind of in that three to six uh, rep range strength block. Mm -hmm. And we have a little break. Then I'll explain block two. And like I said, by, by week two, they know what they're doing. But still, I'm going to do the same thing. Sure. Here's your focus. Here's your emphasis. Here's that. Here's this. Now, in block two, we're usually going to move to supplement exercises. And I also like fillers, right? Because fillers allow us to do stuff that people struggle with. So how can we just add in some more reps of shit that's going to help them out? Thoracic rotations, you know, positional breathing, core work, stuff like that. So block two, for instance, what is a supplement lift for a trap bar deadlift? We just talked about it, right? So it's going to be a, a Bulgarian split squat. So in this example, right, because we talked about we don't want to do two, uh, and this is not a, a black and white thing, but most of the time you don't want to do grip dominant exercises as a superset. So, but hey, what can we do here? Well, we can do a sandbag Bulgarian split squat, right? We can also do a double kettlebell rack Bulgarian split squat. 
okay, as an assistance exercise to that trap bar deadlift. And then we superset it with some type of rope. Like in this case, it's like a metals row. It's a supported metals row. So we have the landmines. They're obviously doing rows on that. Now, the rep range for here is going to be more in that 8 to 12 rep hypertrophy phase, right? So now, now we're going into the supplement uh, area, but we're, we're making it a block. So in this example, it would be Bulgarian split squat for sets of 8 per side with a sandbag. Then we got Meadows rows for 10 per side. And then we'll have a thoracic opener, so like a, a child's pose, you know, thoracic rotation drill on the ground. So they exhale, right there, and they're doing like six to eight reps per side. So it, what it does, it, it gives them a built-in break, but we're doing something productive with it. Heart rate staying a little bit higher. They're doing thoracic rotations, which look, people just aren't doing the drills that they need to as much. So anytime I can get them to do more of the stuff that they need, it's a win. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that block is going to be about 12 minutes long. Once again, I've reverse engineered to where we end the session on time, exactly how much time we have, right? So now we had our strength block. Then we had our kind of hypertrophy supplement block. Um, and we could, like, if, if our focus was strength, we could make the supplement block be a little bit lower rep and be like six and work on strength more. But the reality is, is that like for general, for most people, it's just a good fit, like long-term strength block, hypertrophy block, and then the last block is usually will actually progress it. It's like this density block of exercises where there's a little bit more metabolic. So for instance, in this one, it's like kettlebell swings for 15, you know, glute loop, lateral band walks for 15. So we're hitting the glutes hard. People like the burn. The, de- the third block is also like a block to where I'm like, people like it. They get the pump, they get the burn, metabolic stress going on, right? So, so for example, in this scenario, it was, kettlebell swings, lateral band walks, dumbbell curls, and tricep snap downs. Because who doesn't want to have some beach work in there? You know, we start week one, it's seven minutes and a half, and then it goes 7.45, eight, and it goes 8.15. So we add 15 seconds to each block, and then we progress and push them a little bit harder so they get more volume in it, right? And then we, we might finish off with a finisher. The finisher is a lot of different things, right? It could be our R6, which is resilience, uh, you know, shuttle sprints, 10 seconds off, 50 seconds off, or 20, 40. That's why I like to do more like, we, we switch to conditioning and we can kind of dive into that a little bit mm-hmm. too, but most people don't do any type of anaerobic lactic conditioning. So we definitely try to do that at Vigor where, you know, you're being super explosive for 10, 15, 12 seconds. Uh, and then you got longer 50 second breaks, right? Most people aren't doing that type of energy system work. So, and there we covered it. We got R1 and R2, our release and reset. We got our R3 readiness. That was that dynamic warmup. We got some reactive work in through a contrast set in that first block. We got our resistance in. We got our, and we broke down the whole resistance model, right? Our resilience is our conditioning. And then R7 is recovery. So when people get done, I mean, we strongly encourage them. Uh, Jess, will, Jess will actually, in her stronger class, usually leave about three to five minutes at the end. Well, she'll put on some Zen music and then they do breathing drills. You know, the ladies do the breathing drills before they, they, they leave. Um, you know, Sometimes I kind of squeeze too much of training out. We don't do that uh, in, in my black, but I will always say like, listen guys, like do a little bit of foam rolling, get the hyperhost right gun, massage yourself, go for a walk. Like don't go straight from high stress, sit in the car into more high stress into the tin can all curled up, you know, drive, drive home. Cause now you're, you're still going to stay in that sympathetic state, right? After you're done training, we want to get to a parasympathetic recovery state as fast as possible. So 
you know, teaching people if they do have to go like, hey, listen, walk around the block for four or five minutes, like breathe, listen to something chill, you know, or like I said, we'll, we'll do a breathing drill and reset at the end of the session or like, hey, go foam roll, but not like this aggressive foam rolling, just get the lymphatic drainage, just get the blood flowing, just relax, talk to a couple other members, do something relaxing for five minutes. So you start kicking into that parasympathetic state before you leave, right? And so we kind of went through that whole R7 uh, in a training session, right? Mm-hmm. We went through that filter, we looked at it, we we're able to do it. Um, and the thing is like, if you ask me, okay, cool, but you know, this last week you trained, uh, you know, Phil Haynes or Luke Wilson from the Seahawks, what was, what was the, their session like? And I'll break it down for you and I'll go through that R7 filter, except that maybe they needed a little bit more of one of those. Right. We spent a little bit more time on, you know, for instance, with Phil, we actually spent a little more time in readiness because we do a lot more mobility with him because we're working on a bunch of stuff because he had, a, uh, you know, a big surgery a year and a half ago. So we're working on a bunch of stuff. Right. Uh, we actually spend less time on, a, on uh, R5 resistance because he's in season right now, getting off the injured list, about to play the next game. So I'm not going to crush him because I don't want him to be sore but I want to have a bunch of neural output. So we're doing three sets of three. We're doing some throws, you know, we're doing assistance work for like two to three sets. So he's getting that stimulus, but he's not going to be sore. Right. But we're actually spending a lot of time on recovery R seven. Like, so think of R seven as a, a big piece of a pie. Right. Mm-hmm. And then depending on, you know, especially when you kind of go into the world of, you know, if you got a power lifter, well, they're going to, depending on what they need. Yeah. They might spend more time in resistance, Hey, maybe they're stiff as fuck and like they need to have more work on that. So I'm gonna chop out a bigger piece of the pie on soft, you know, R1 through R3. And then reactive, we might take it out. Maybe we won't. Maybe, maybe he needs reactive, or maybe he doesn't, right? But like either way, you're constantly kind of like dividing the pie up differently, right? And and especially in our more private training, you know, throughout the year, that changes. Like some folks remember, like they go into crazy parts of the year where they run businesses and they're stressed the hell out and they're traveling and stuff like, man, we're not, you know, we're going to change that pie a little bit. Maybe there's going to be more resilience training, like aerobic threshold work, which is great for recovery. Right. So we're going to do more R6. So that's the thing is it's so malleable. And if you go like, yeah, Luca, but what if you wanted to do block periodization? Cool. We can do that too. Yeah. When right? I hear what that, you- when I hear that framework, it, it seems like you can really, you can really mold and put pretty much anything into that really. And, uh, what, what, and you kind of started to get into it. And, and one of my next questions, which is good, is that, you know, you started talking about like taking the R7, R7 model and kind of forming it to people. Um, there also has to be an assessment in place of some sort to, to know like, hey, like, you know, this person needs more uh, recovery. This, this person needs more reactive. This person needs more resistance. Um, so I don't know if you have like a, a basic assessment that you use. I have one, but it kind of has variations depending on uh, what I kind of get from like the sit down consultation with people. But for you, like generally speaking, what what does an assessment look like at Vigor that you guys use with, you know, a good amount of your clients? So first, I mean, there's there's a client intake. For, I mean, a lot of it, honestly, like this is one of those things where some of the certainly art and you know, uh, we do a strategy session for anybody that does any type of semi-private training, any type of training, honestly, like when they do the trial and that strategy session to me is just detective work, you know, and it's just like, you, you got to read between the lines. We're talking about just communication. Let's, let's like ask him really good questions when you're sitting down with them. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like we're not, I'll, I'll talk about the assessment, like the physical assessment part sure. of it. Um, but the kicker is 
like first it's like, man, I want to find out about their life. You know, what training have they been doing? If any, um, you know, how much are they, they sleeping? And look, I say detective work cause you're, you're going to have to dig like some of the stuff they tell you probably won't be precise sometimes, you know, not because they're lying, but just because they, they give you their best uh, guess of it. You know, oh, my nutrition's pretty good. Right. Okay. Tell me a little bit about more what you, about you had today. Right. You got to dig, dig in. What about this? What about that? What about, right. So, and, and to be honest with you, you know, an hour is not that much time in the grand scheme of things, but, I will say this. Look, let's look at the comparison. The average doctor visit is seven to nine minutes in America. I think it might, it may, might be you know ten at most. Whatever. You tell me what you can find out about about a person in ten minutes. You can't find out shit, right? Um, nothing. Like I mean, Absolutely rapport nothing. building. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm going to try to build rapport for maybe five to ten minutes, right? Because then they're going to be a little more trustworthy, calm down, so on and so forth. So, so the strategy session, like we we actually t- sent out a client intake form, and that has uh I built that with uh Nate Green who. Uh, is you know been with precision nutrition for 10 years and it's kind of high up there and doing a lot of stuff and kind of uh molded that together it's like a 34 question um form in, in type form and they fill it out and it's everything from like you know do you have support of the uh, your, uh, your the people around you okay who is that uh like there's 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 some trick questions i mean we could go into that form it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool but you know and, and there's like you have any you know obviously health history stuff and nagging pains what's your main goal nutrition stuff uh, then there's a cool question in there that's just like hey if i could you know if i could make wave a magic wand and tomorrow you wake up and you know you you're exactly where you want to be tell me about how you feel what's what's in your life and what's not in your life you know what does your day look like right so basically you're trying to paint a picture of like what they're trying to achieve and a lot of times it'll reveal that because it's very open-ended questions so they go wherever they want to go with it um but that reveals a lot of stuff for us. So that questionnaire already gives us insight into their life, um, which then is, you know, obviously great to follow up on in a strategy session. But it's a, assessments are ongoing. You know, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes uh, that sometimes people think is like you meet with a person, you, know, you, you, you do an intake questionnaire, you do an evaluation, you do a strategy session, you do an assessment, and then you build a program and that's it. Like I assess everything all the time. Like. I assess movement on a daily basis. Um, every training session is an assessment. Every communication with them is an assessment. Every communication with them through a messenger is an assessment, right? Like you're constantly doing detective work. So I think there's too much uh, value put on that one assessment and not enough on a constant assessing, right? I couldn't agree um, with that more because there's one thing you said one time that was along the lines of like, keep your plan in pencil, right? Meaning like even from day to day, you've got to change something, right? Like, hey, you know, such and such, you know, Cody sat on the, you know, did three podcasts, you know, Lucas sat on the podcast, did three podcasts today, you know, his hip and his back is Jack and we got, you know, safety bar squat. Well, that's not going to happen today because, you know, Luca's going to need a backyotomy after that. You know what I mean? So it could be something like, let's change it to split squat. Let's change it to, you know, some sort of, you know, weighted ISO squat hold or something that takes all of that like dynamic motion off the spine. Right. So, uh, and, and I, did you say that or did I hear that from somewhere else? Man, I, you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. Could it be said absolutely. Um, right. But no. But but that's intuitive coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Pattern. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Toombs, who who's the the uh, he's kind of a legend in rugby strength conditioning. But he's a coach of the Sea Wolves that we partner with, and and they do their all their training here preseason during season. Yeah. Um, and he has a great, you know, he, he, like we had a great podcast where he's talking about stimulus. You know, and it's like. 
I want to get a strength stimulus. Okay. So listen, the strength stimulus for somebody might be a back squat. They're perfectly fine with it on the team, right? Somebody, most guys won't be able to do that. They'll do a safety bar squat because they can't get their shoulders there. Some guys that are vets, they're not going to do any of that shit, but they're going to push a heavy sled, right? And that's going to be a strength stimulus for a certain, you know, are the patterns a little different? For sure. But we're going for a strength stimulus, you know, and, and when you got, I guess, some of the, uh, the best coaches in the world have been like doing strength and conditioning at the highest level going like, listen, like this is kind of the pocket that we put stuff in. You think that you can't do that with, uh, you know, your clients where, for example, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this, right? You do an assessment. They look great. Uh, you got deadlifts in the program. They do great with deadlifts. Then they go play tennis, tweak their back a little bit, right? Come back in. Deadlifts are on the program. Well, listen, I'm not going to fucking do deadlifts. Not, I mean, partially just because uh, we might do a hinge. We actually might get them to feel good. But if, they, if we can't, maybe they're in their head. They're scared. Okay, great. We're going to have them push this heavy sled stimulus. Did, did the program just suck and get messed up and they're not going to make progress? Of course not, right? Uh, I might I might actually go now for two weeks straight or three weeks straight having PR on that on that um sled push come back to the hinge right so it's like you know what if you want a tagline I just one of my favorite ones is like you know plans don't always work but planning does um and you know so that means you always got a plan but if you make a plan it doesn't mean you're gonna be able to stick to it right? sure sure and so you know so I I think that's a, a really really important thing to consider as far as you know that stuff goes that you're always assessing you're looking at stuff you, you got to read in between the lines and know that people won't always tell the truth. Uh, I mean, shit, we don't always tell the truth. We tell our truth, you know, um, not necessarily fact, but, um, and now, so here's the thing, you know, we do like, like there's some stuff that I want to go through an assessment. The other thing about that people don't think about is like that somebody could be coming in on a day. Like this is why I, I could really go down a rabbit hole and shit. Like, because I get really geeked out about it, but you know, uh, people that are afraid, like, look, a lot of people will come to the gym, and they're pretty afraid, you know? And it's like, and if you think about, this is why the communication and uh, body language and things, things like that are so important. But let's say, you know, uh, I'm in my shorts, my shirt, I'm all tatted up. Uh, you know, I got some tats that look like they might be from some gang stuff. Maybe they are, who knows? But what I'm saying, but here's what I'm saying. Like, what I'm saying is that a person will look at me and make an assumption, right? And and they're like, well, I heard vigor is good. But now I got this guy's all tatted up and, jacked and whatever and blah 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 right and I'm, i mean look and i'm obviously i'm always trying to be nice and smile and i read people but i'm i'm saying like you don't know where that person's coming from you don't know the trauma they had you don't know their experience you don't know any of that right and i'm doing an assessment with them okay and i'm facing them like i'm facing them all right listen i want you to do a squat and like their nervous system is like wound up they're under threat sometimes it's subconscious all right and so now they're showing me a movement pattern, but that movement pattern might be under threat. So now I got a whole bunch of tone, right? Their breathing is different. They can't, right? And they're going to show me something. And now I'm like, oh, okay, that's their thing. That's how they move, <laughs> right? Where even like, I'm, I'm a big fan of like not facing somebody. I face with them. Because now I'm not against you. I'm with you. This shit's deep, but it's, it's real. Okay? It's study stuff, right? If someone, especially for a lot of people, like they're like, I'm facing you. I'm telling you what to do, uh, right? But if I'm with you, here's what we're going to do. Cody, not here's what you're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. And we're looking in the same direction, right? I'm taking you through, right? We're going to squat 
And what we're going to do is you're just going to squat down as low as you can, put your hands out and do the best that you can. And I'm just going to watch and see, right? That's what we're going to do. And we're all, you know, right? Little shit like that might make a huge difference because it might make them relax and actually show you the pattern that's a real pattern, right? So these, these are the things that people don't talk about because they go, oh, do you do the FMS? Right, what, you know, what, what else do you do, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it's like, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it does, but like, you know, I, I like parts of the FMS, but I don't like the whole thing. I, I'm very heavily influenced by Cressy, uh, you know, who's been a, a good friend for 15 years. And I think one of you know, the smartest people on the planet when it comes mm-hmm. to anything, you know, strength and conditioning. Um, and so, you know, we do, and, and I've done FRC and FRA. So we do kind of like a lot, a lot of the functional range assessments. Um, we'll do, you know, hip cars, shoulder cars, like kind of assess those single joints. And it's going to tell me a lot. Like, oh man, like, okay, this person's got really bad internal rotation. Um, and, and, and for me personally, I'm going to give you my, like the bigger system. And then I'll give you like the Luca kind of lens, right? The Luca lens is like, I see something, I'm going down a rabbit hole, right? And I'm going to try to build uh, results in advance, even in an assessment. So what, what I mean by that is like, let's say, I'll give you an example. So Phil Haynes, uh, one of the Seahawks, right? Uh, had torn, you know, torn adductor off the bone a year and a half ago. So obviously a lot of issues on that side and natural back pain and stuff like that. So we do an assessment and I'm like, Phil, like you have pretty much zero degrees of internal rotation. He's like, oh, damn. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, damn, damn, you were right. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, check this out. Like you need internal rotation for squatting, for single leg work, for this. Otherwise, here's what happens. Right? I'm showing him stuff, right? So he's like, you know, visually going, damn. I'm like, okay, well, listen, we got to get that back. Now that's going to be a, a combination of, you know, soft tissue restrictions that we got to let go. But then a lot of it's going to be, how do we get your brain to be able to control, right? Control that internal rotation, build new end ranges, get tissue built up. So I give him a couple of drills that instantly get results, right? Because some of his neural, right? He's got, he's locked up. It's like playing on learning, all these, all these things. So we do a couple of breathing drills and a med IR drill and we do some cars. And I'm like, look, we went from zero to like 25 degrees. I'm like, but check this out. It's not going to stick. We got to keep working on this so that it becomes the new range, right? But what did I do there, right? I, instead of me just going like, okay, we're going to do a 90-90 static lunge. We're going to do this test. We're going to do this test. I stop and I go like, okay, here, here's something that's a problem. Like, let me, because I'm building value here, by the way, right? Hey, here's a problem. This is what this is stopping you from doing. This is the thing that you want. This here is stopping you from doing that. All right, I'm going to do some things and I'm going to make this better, right? And like I show him right then and there. See this? Oh, wow, yes. Okay, cool. Now do that squat again. Damn, that feels better. Okay, great. We're not out the woods yet. We got to keep working on this. We got to keep working on this. We got to keep working on this. And then this will improve, 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 right? So like this is why I say the lens because you, you got to, you know, the more tools that you have in your toolbox, like detective work is like, oh, hold up. There's something, something going on here. And if you, if you give them a result, even though if it's temporary and be, be honest with it, right. And go, but what you just did is you solved it. You showed them you could solve a problem. You just built value. I call it. It's, it's like PT test, retest. This hurts. Show me what hurts. Do what hurts. Ow, ow, ow. Okay, cool. Let's do these two drills. Do it again. Oh, wow. It's better. Right. It's basically getting a result within a session. Like, this is why I love shit. Like, Hey, do that deadlift. Okay, I'm gonna film you real quick. Boop, boop, boop. Great. Okay, cool. All right, 
listen, let's do this positional breathing. Uh, here's a couple of cues. I want you to crush that orange in your armpit. Okay. I want you to pack the chin. Matter of fact, push your head back into my hand. Okay, good. Double chin, unsexy double chin. Great. Now I'm going to punch, like pretend I'm going to punch you when, you when you brace. All right, great. Now push the ground. Boom. They pop up and shoot the video. I'm going to show them the before and after. You see that? What do you see? I'm giving them the question. What do you see? Oh man, like my back is straighter. And I, oh yeah, my, my neck's not moving forward. I didn't feel that in my back. What did I just do? I coached them, but viscerally, like they're like, he coached me to a better lift, to a stronger lift, to a safer lift. It's results in advance. It's a contrast. It's a test and retest. We're doing that all the time. You should be. You should be. I was about to say, right? you, gave him, you gave him that contrast. And I can think of, you know, this is something we used to do when we would do like these uh, intro sessions and stuff like that. We would take, you know, just an example of like, hey, everybody, you know, if we had two or three people in like an intro session, like, hey, put your hand over your head. You know, all of them put their hand over their head and they're, they're like funky chicken with, their, with their, their T-spine and stuff like that. And they were like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, can you feel that space between your ear and your shoulder? And they're like, yeah, like it's not even close. And we're like, all right, cool. Let's do this banded stretch really quick. And then we do like a lat stretch or whatever. Then we have them go, all right, retest. And then their ear is next to their shoulder and their left arm is still jacked up. And they're like, oh, shit. Like that's different, right? But it, you're right. It builds that uh, not only gives them contrast, but like it shows them like, look, this is what I can do for you. I did this for you in two minutes. Imagine if I had 60 minutes with you, right? And, and you kind of build that rapport and that um, – really that authority that you need, because there needs to be some level of authority with a coaching client like relationship, right? So they respect Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It, it, it's, 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 this, it's this play of positioning. But I think once you build positioning, you got it. You don't have to constantly reinforce it right, too right. much. But, but, it, but it's like positioning, take away threat. Positioning, take away threat. Challenge, guide. Most of the time it's guide. I think coaching most of the time is guide. Sometimes it's push. Sometimes it's pull, Right. I say 70 to 80% is guide. Same thing with nutrition, right? Now, I will say individuals respond differently. So that scale moves. For some people, it's 50% challenge, right? And that's where the art comes into play. But I will say most people, we, we have to take into account self-determination theory, right? What, one of the things there is what? Autonomy. It's choice. You got to give people choice. And I'll do like wacky shit throughout every training session, even if it's a group training session, semi-private imagine like five percent of the session like i give options i mean honestly even like think about where autonomy comes into play so trap bar deadlift right they got a four rep hey do you want to go up with that yeah i feel good okay great i'm, I'm giving them a choice you want to stay where you are or you want to go up with that uh man i think i want to stay here for a little bit right how did that in second set how did that feel actually i feel better you want to still stay here or want to go up hey, you know what we, let's go up 10 pounds per side okay cool Every time I'm building autonomy in them, they don't even know it. I know it because I understand that psychology of coaching. So every time they make a decision to make a decision to make a decision to get better at making decisions, they become more confident. Hey, guys, listen, what do you want to do? You guys want to do a lower body finisher? You want to do core finisher? You want to do a mix? Give you a choice. Hey, for your, for your uh, metabolic conditioning, you want to do prowler or sled? Same shit, maybe. Right. But the thing is, they get to make a choice. And what right. we're doing is that when we don't like what people don't understand is like we have a responsibility. My responsibility is actually to get a person, you know, to a result, sustainable result that's sort of so competent that they can do it themselves. Right. Maybe it takes a year, maybe two, maybe three, whatever. Right? Put the power of fitness back in their hands. Absolutely. Yep. They should I, yep. they should not. They should not need me. Right. They should not need us. But here's the deal. If you do a great job and you build a great culture and environment, 
they know that they don't need you, but they want you. Mm. They're like, because in that environment, I keep getting better Love in that. life, in training and nutrition and mindset, relationships and fulfillment and happiness and comp, all of that, right? I want to keep coming back. I can maintain what I got, but I can keep coming back. And many a times, you know, this whole secret shit, like, oh, they need me. No, you got to get people to be confident enough to do stuff themselves. And there's a, there's a formula. There's a science to this. Study it. You know, I mean, this is, um, man, who, who asked me this question? He said, uh, give me the biggest, uh, fuck, I, probably another podcast. I, I, I'm not sure, but it's like, what's, what are the two biggest mistakes in, um, oh, Chris, to tell us a podcast I was on. He said, two biggest mistakes in fitness. Like, what do you think the, co- the problem with coaches? And I was like, there's a pendulum swing, right? There's this pendulum swing. There, there's two problems. I mean, two, there's more than two, but um, the things that I see is like, you got very technically proficient people, right? Like just um, know the nexus and those to the T, right? When it comes to program design and this, that, the other, and like coaching crews and blah, 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 blah. Um, but that soft skills, you know, empathy, body language, communication, like, you know, all those different like active listening and so on and so forth. They're not developing it. And, you know, there's a huge gap because all your knowledge, if you can't help a person apply it, you know, is out the window, you know, and the, on the other side of the pendulum, you have like people that have great energy are likable, almost naturally sometimes have, you know, kind of nature, nurture, have these soft skills and more relatable, you know, but they, they, they haven't dove enough into things like assessments and movement and, mm-hmm. you know, anatomy and kinesiology, biomechanics and all these things that I feel like are a buy-in in our industry. They should be, right. You shouldn't be walking around you know, not knowing that if somebody doesn't pass overhead flexion test, that you're putting a lot of things overhead, right? It's just, that's unethical if you ask me, right? So, so you got these, you know, these two kind of pockets here. And I, you know, the, the art and science of coaching is exactly that. Like you got to learn all of these skills and they kind of interplay and you got to, I mean, it, it really, to me, is like, like I said at the beginning, right? It becomes this amazing journey where you're just learning, you know, learning stuff that, that allows you to help influence people, you know, um, and some people we go like, oh, you're, ma- no, it's not manipulation. I actually, I say it every time, every week I go, guys, listen, I'm gonna tell you, I'm telling you something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a secret of what I'm doing every time. I'm brainwashing you. I'm brainwashing you with stories, with messages, with things that I say, and I'm brainwashing you to greatness. I'm great brainwashing you to be, to believe in yourself more than you you ever thought possible to do stuff that you never thought possible now if you're not okay with that vigor's not the place for you right because i'm like that's my belief system i believe in you more than you believe in yourself and i believe there's a diamond in every single one of you but man we got to polish and create that pressure to get that sucker out and that but but the thing is but i'm going to constantly brainwash you i love that man and and it's like and and, you know people end up like smiling and going like like everybody good with that like yeah 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 right and but it but it's true, right? We have to understand how the the wheels behind the, the clock turn, right? Like we look at the clock and the shit works, but it's like this that this sucker has got like a thousand pieces in the background, doing all types of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, well, listen, we got to know how to put those things together, okay? And that takes a lot of things. It takes everything from yeah, understanding movement and program design and assessments and all these different things. But man, it's a lot of this. Remember at the beginning, I said four things, training, nutrition, recovery, mindset. So there's deep rabbit holes we can go down. But I, you know, you're at this point in time where we are, like if you're not paying attention to those, like if you're just like, man, I know my training. Listen, in three, four years, like you'll be a relic. I mean, 
Like you don't, you don't do nutrition coaching as a coach. You're a relic. You don't understand movement. You know, you don't, you, you haven't done stuff like FR, FRC and really understand what mobility is and not just like this, whatever term I'm telling you as the years go by, you're going to start becoming a relic. And it's not even like that. There's going to be regulations set in place. It's just that the industry is moving forward and like the it, it's narrowing. Right. I, I think that even in time that we're in right now, you know, and I, and I feel bad. I feel shitty for a lot of, you know, uh, gyms and people that don't deserve to go out of business with this whole scenario and situation. But what it's doing is like, man, people are going to have to keep getting better and better, you know, which I, I think is a good thing. Right. So there's obviously bad stuff, but I think there's good things that can come out of it. Um, and this is where, like, you know, when I study, right, and I, I'm constantly studying and reading, and, like, every day, every week, I'm like, oh, man, ah, look at this. Shit, I could be doing this a little better. Sometimes it's just a reminder. Sometimes it's some new insight or new research that I'm like, ooh, how can we implement this? You know, like, I'll give you an example, man. Like, I, I know I'm, I, I, I'm going all over the place a little bit, but I promise you all connects back to the same thing that we're talking sure. about. So there's a book called, have you, have you read a book called The Power of Moments? Uh, I have not. Uh, Chip and Dan Heath. Everything from Chip and Dan Heath is great. So Power of Moments, and I would like, great book. Tons of great stories and great insights, but I'm going to just share one. And like, for instance, how I read this book that most people probably wouldn't relate to training, and I found so much benefit from it. Uh, and I read it a, a long time ago, but I read it a couple of times since. And essentially, it's like people remember two parts of an experience. Now, experiences can be years. It can be a day. It can be like I went to Disney World, right? Now, there's two. So let's say I went to Disney World. Like, There's two things I'm going to remember about that uh, going to Disney World. I'm going to remember the peak or the low of that trip, right? Meaning the shittiest part of it, if it was shitty, or the best part of it. And I'm going to remember the ending. That's how our brains operate. Okay, I didn't make this stuff up in science. So the peak and ending. Okay, sometimes we can influence the peak. Sometimes we can't. What we can definitely influence is the day. And I'll give you an example of how you can influence the peak, by the way, too, in a training session. But we can influence the ending. Okay, and I'll give you a study. Like this is actually one of the studies in there. It talks about there's there's a ton of them, but it was about women going to a gynecologist appointment. Obviously, not the most pleasant. You don't go like, "Yay, I'm going to gynecologist." Nobody's excited for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, and 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 they did this study essentially where you know the appointment was done, and like very shortly after the most uncomfortable part was done, it's like they were like, "Okay, bye." Okay. Person comes out. Oh, okay. Can we do a survey with you? They do a survey on their experience. Okay. The second part, so the second group of people that they did it on was like most uncomfortable part of the experience gets done. Then the doctor spends the next five, six, seven minutes, you know, calming the person down, uh, having a, you know, kind of ch uh, chill conversation, getting a couple of laughs, and then they go, okay? The difference between the experience, those five minutes, that's it, five minutes. The, the five minutes were different, right? One part or like one group of people was like, oh, it was like a nine out of 10. The other group is like five to six. Now, five minutes of an hour, hour and a half appointment influenced that that one experience was almost twice as good. You see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Okay, so how do we take that? Because of course, sometimes you can go read that and go like, okay, well, what does that mean for me? So let's take a group training session, strength camp, 
uh, small group personal training. Let's take our team training at the end. Part was let's look at the five last five minutes. We do a finisher. Okay, people will be like, oh, explain a finisher to me in a um, in a in, to make sense from a program design standpoint. Oh, okay. Now, first of all, people when they go through tough challenges together it brings them closer together. So there's one thing. Number two. Mentally, I tell them, guys, when you get to that point, when your abs are burning like crazy, man, tell the editor in, in your, inside of your head to fuck off, okay? He's lying. Just push a little bit more. The only way you can find your limit is to go past that limit. It's to break that ceiling, right? Like I'm constantly like churning, like I'm working this muscle right here, right? Mental weightlifting. And so I'm on, the finisher might be two minutes, three minutes, whatever it might be, leg matrix or, you know, core finisher or something. But at the end, everybody, it's like, it's hard, but they're like, they're smiling, man, shit. we might play games or something like that. Right. Good feeling. And we bring it in. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to make a point. Hey, listen, guys, listen, efforts between you and you. Actually, this was my Tuesday story. So when I look at you, you could be cheating me with the grimy face. Oh my God, this is so hard. Right. But inside you're working at 60%. Cool. You got me. Great job. You got me. But efforts between you and you. Well, let me tell you something. When you give your best effort, Okay, and you do it over and over and again. Guess what happens? You practice best effort. Like your your standard is going to be best effort. So then you go into your work. Guess what? It's the only thing you know is best effort. But when you give 50%, 60%, you're cheating me going like, oh, I'm working really hard, but you're not. Okay. Now your standard becomes 50, 60% effort. Then you're pissed off because you didn't get a promotion because somebody else was bringing their best effort and you weren't because that's your standard. You practiced it. It's a skill set. Your skill set is mediocre effort. I'm like, listen, guys, tell me something. Do you want to be known as a person that brings their best effort or their mediocre effort? What do you want to be? Man, best effort. All right. You want me to keep challenging you to bring your best effort? Man, yeah, I do, Luca. Okay, cool. I'm cool with you telling me to go fuck myself. I'm going to still bring it because I love you. Right? And we're going to bring it in. All right, guys, team one, three. One, two, three. Right? Like, what did I do in the last five minutes? Power of moments. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. But somebody from the outside in, it might be like, oh, that's cool. Nah, man, I thought this shit through. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, to me, it's like, this is, it's like the guy, if you watch the matrix, when he meets that guy at the end, like he created the matrix, thought through, I'm creating the matrix, man. Like that's, that's my thought process when it comes to training, to coaching, to program design. Like, I think like I, I dream about this shit, man. <laughs> it's like, that's it's awesome. weird. You know what I mean? But, that's but, awesome. but that's, but that's, that's the thing. If you love it, if you really want to create the best experiences for your people, you got to keep getting better. Sometimes I come back and go like, Oh, I got to throw this shit out. It ain't working. You know, like there's something better. Or I, I find out some new research. It's like, man, this isn't as good as we thought it was. Cool. Let's dig in deeper and find it. Like you're just constantly doing the Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. I love that. Man. Useful, you know what I mean? I love that's that. It. So guys, if you didn't, number one, have a, it's funny because when I, when I saw you uh, speaking at Vigor and then basically all the speakers at the <laughs> Vigor Summit, I left with like uh, an entire portion of a, of a five subject, um, you know, those spiral notebooks, whatever. I had an entire thing filled out because um, guys in this, in this podcast, not only has there been programming gold, um, but really for any coach or, or any client on the other side of a coach like this is a, a way to really to really tell if you've got number one like a you know uh, a higher level coach or, or you know a higher level thinking coach but also with the you know the coaches listening to this from a programming design standpoint like uh, you know we have implemented a lot like vigor a lot of the r7 stuff into uh, how we deliver program design and it's a lot of the same thing um 
So I 100% vouch for all that stuff. Uh, Luca, man, we went on some tangents and some great conversation today. I appreciate your time. I know you got like 600 podcasts left to do today. I want to I want to leave you some, with some words. Uh, where can people go and learn more about you and and you know learn more about Bigger at? Um, one, I mean, one, two of the really main hubs. Uh, my IG is I, I do a lot on IG. It's at Luca Hosevar, L U K A H O C E V A R. Uh, share a lot of stuff on there. Uh, on Facebook, it's the Vigor Ground page. Uh, so it's Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance. That's where I drop a lot of the videos and stuff. And then VigorGroundFitness.com is where, uh, you know, blogs, all the podcasts get uploaded on there as well. And uh, there's two podcasts. One is Vigor, uh, Vigor Life Podcast. Uh, and that's like a lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff. Uh, but a lot of it is around coaching, to be honest with you. It's more directed towards coaches for sure. Uh, although, I mean, the last... Uh, let's just say the last uh, uh, couple of guests that we actually haven't released is Chris Duffin, Dr. Mike Russell for nutrition. Before that was Jay Perugia. Before that, it was Dr. Andy Galpin. Before that, I mean, it's just, you know, top-notch guests. I do a bunch of Q&A stuff. Uh, definitely very relevant for this. Uh, then I have another podcast with my partner, Steve Krebs, and that is the Yo, the, Bid, the Business and Fitness Podcast. And that's a lot more oriented around uh, the business side for coaches and, and, and gym owners. Um, so between those two, you got, you know, close to, I think 200 episodes now you got plenty of years to go through it. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of like the main hubs. I've uh, been doing a lot on YouTube. I mean, YouTube is kind of like a hub where I just, any video that I ever shoots going on there, it's, it's, it's grown a ton. Actually we're optimizing it now. It's at like 65,000 subscribers. And I, I really kind of was like, Oh, it's probably a good idea to actually organize things there. Yeah. Um, so, so there's quite, quite a few platforms that, that I'm, Trying to, you know, I, I try to deliver content daily, videos daily, uh, podcasts weekly. So, um, just do my best. And all the feedback from you guys, man. Like, I, you know, when I get questions, it really helps me because the questions, it's just real world. You know, I try to answer them, whether it's a podcast format, whether it's some of the videos that I shoot um, on, on YouTube too. You can find, like, I, I got forty-five minute videos, thirty-minute videos, sixty-minute videos of our systems. Like, you know, basically just breaking it down. Like, here yeah. you go. <laughs> um, and I mean, I know a lot of times, you know, you can spend weeks on breaking that stuff down, but I do give these frameworks and I whiteboard it. I'm, I'm teaching on a whiteboard uh, so that, you know, you guys can learn. Like, look, my, my goal is I'm not like, you know, I want to grow the gym. I want to grow the different platforms and businesses. I mean, that's what we all want to do. We, we love what we do. We, we, we have purpose. We have passion. We want to create an impact. Also, we want to, you know, get rewarded for that and create security for our families and everything else. Um, with that said, uh, I believe, you know, that, that when you do great things in the world, it all comes back to you. And like, I want you, like, for instance, you know, if I can give, you know, people are like, dude, are you giving this stuff away for free? I'm like, look, if a coach takes that and now they're better at coaching their groups, they're better at coaching their people, uh, their people get better results. You know, you get more people into your gym. Well, a couple of things are going to happen. I feel like I helped, you know, at a little, uh, kind of impact on that to create a, a catalyst. Uh, and down the line, you know, there's certainly a lot more chance going like, well, shit, if you if you're doing this for free, like, what does it look like if I'm coaching with you? Right. Um, and so I believe in that. And so the, the reason why I say is like, I love feedback. I love, you know, like I said, I even believe complaints are gifts, but the feedback allows me to create content, allows me to bring more value to the marketplace in the world and connect with you guys more. So, ne you know, never hesitate to to drop me a DM, to drop me a message and, uh, and let me know, you know, good, bad or indifferent what you'd like to see more of. I always appreciate it. Cool. Luca, thank you for your time today, man. Appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Sure.
Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating and review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.